This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Knowledge at Wharton on Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. We are with you each and every day. Well, we have seen a dramatic shift in recent years of people starting to use electronic cigarettes instead of the traditional tobacco alternative. Vaping, as it is referred to, is seen as an alternative to the products linked to cancer. Now a new report from the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine looked at the impact of e-cigarettes on consumers. Adam Leventhal is uh, one of the authors of the report. He's director of the Health, Emotion, and Addiction Laboratory at uh, the University of Southern California. David Savitz is also uh, one of the authors of the report, and he is a professor of epidemiology at Brown University. They are both as well on a committee that is reviewing the effects of electronic nicotine delivery systems. Adam, David, great to have you both with us today. Thank you for your time. Sure, pleasure. Thank you. Um, Adam, let's start with the background here. What's in the report, uh, which uh, has, I guess, a variety of other sourcing with it, correct? Right, yeah. So uh, basically the overall context is that the committee uh, of experts was charged to exhaustively review the scientific literature on the health effects of e-cigarettes. And so we combed through more than uh, 8,000 different articles um, so there's a fair amount of literature on there, and what we did was we synthesized all the evidence to render some generalized conclusions about specific health effects and public health implications of e-cigarettes, and then also some recommendations for future research for, um, that the FDA may want to fund. And so those conclusions uh, are? Sure, yeah. So the, the general, I guess, overall broad-spectrum uh, look at it is that, uh, you know, e-cigarettes were found to have some toxic chemicals in them. That being said, uh, the committee concluded that based on the types of um, uh, chemicals that are in the e-cigarette aerosol and the concentrations of them, they're likely to be far less harmful than traditional cigarettes. So that was one major conclusion. Some other key conclusions were that they were linked to particular health effects, right. uh, so we found evidence that they may be uh, associated with the development of dependent symptoms, like we see with traditional cigarettes. Um, they also may uh, facilitate youth who um, have never tried cigarettes uh, to go on to, to uh, try a, a combustible cigarette. And then finally, some evidence that... Uh, um, that they may be useful for some adult smokers who want to quit. And so in the kind of the totality of the evidence, uh, we couldn't say that they're either good or bad for public health. It really uh, um, depended on, on the circumstance. But, David, I, I guess is that a question that the hope is that you will be able to get closer to answering in the next several years as you have more and more data coming in, and obviously as the prevalence of people using this device, uh, you can get a, a kind of a, a longer view as to the impacts of using a device like this over a 20 or 25-year period. That's right. I mean, I think, again, as Adam said, the, the, the question of how safe or harmful the product itself is is still to be resolved, and it certainly does. Uh, e-cigarettes contain toxic chemicals. Uh, again, as Adam said, very much lower doses than than conventional cigarettes. But we haven't seen what happens when people use them for five or ten or fifteen years. 
because they're relatively new on the market. So over time, uh, if the right research is you know in, instigated now, we'll have clearer answers on that question. But I think the other part that, that I think at least I came to appreciate more fully as a result of the, the committee's deliberations is so much of the impact depends on who is using them and for what purposes. Right. If they were exclusively you know, tobacco smokers quitting smoking and substituting e-cigarettes, there could be a very substantial benefit. If, on the other hand, it uh, you know, serves as a pathway to increasing uh, tobacco use or has intrinsic harms, uh, again, and it's adopted by people who would otherwise not have any exposure, then it's, then it's a negative. Well, and part of this, as you mentioned, or Nada mentioned, is the fact of the impact on youth and, and where they go. And obviously, that's a that's a sector of uh, of our community, which obviously is at a very impressionable time. And I, I don't know what the recent numbers are, but obviously, if you go back a few years, there was, you know, obviously a great concern about youth using and smoking cigarettes in general, and, and whether or not this would become a trend for teenagers, college-age kids moving forward. I mean, Adam may want to comment on that. That's really more uh, his okay. uh, his area of expertise. Let me invite him to sort of... Adam? Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, so that was a, a major concern, and so I think we went from maybe 2010, uh, where the prevalence of e-cigarette use amongst uh, U.S. youth was, um, you know, negligible, uh, one or two percent, and then it spiked up in 2015 up to 16%. And so that's current use amongst all uh, high school students um, or in 2015. And then 2016, we saw the first reduction ever. But still, 11% of teens were using them. And so, uh, you know, to the extent that they lead to health concerns in this population um, is an issue. And uh, it's something that the committee found that there is a – uh, substantial evidence that this could be happening, uh, it, them transitioning to cigarettes. It, David, do you think we are, though, getting closer to having an understanding of, of the impact of, of of these devices on the human body? Are we starting to get closer to that? I mean, I, again, it, it's, it's inching forward. I mean, yeah. we, we did find a substantial volume of research, but there are these really glaring uh, gaps that are fundamental questions about the overall impact of the product. Again, as I mentioned, the long-term health effect is something that we, we don't think there, again, that it should be anything like the level of tobacco, but we really don't know because we've not looked at the long-term effect. But then also the evolution of the patterns of use and the question of whether they are indeed effective tools for quitting smoking. There's some suggestion they may be, but that is a, a still an open question that, that only further research can help us resolve. How are we doing it on, on handling kind of the addictive nature of nicotine in general in your mind? I, mean, I think that, again, that is one of the intrinsic characteristics of, of e-cigarettes. I mean, there, there are some users who don't use nicotine-containing liquids, but for the most part, people do. And we know a great deal about nicotine, and it is an addictive substance, and not surprisingly, uh, people can become dependent on e-cigarettes uh, because of the nicotine that, that it's, uh, is contained in it. Um, it's a question of whether there are, I don't want to say we know everything that there is to know about nicotine, but we know a lot. Uh, the part that we know much less about are the other kinds of chemicals that are contained in e-cigarettes, 
uh, that are distinctive, that aren't in necessarily in tobacco, flavorants and, and, and chemicals that help it to aerosolize. So that, those are the sort of unknowns. 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Adam, what what role is the FDA playing in this right now? Yeah, great question. So, um, you know, they are under the authority of FDA to regulate uh, these products. Um, and so I think it's at early stages. That ruling just happened last year. And so reports like this and additional scientific evidence will uh, um, help guide them to, to regulate them. But right now, the uh, extent of regulation is, is kind of minimal. Um, major things that happened last year was um, finally making it illegal to, uh, for minors to purchase them at a federal level um, and other things like not being able to sell them vending machines. But as uh, you know, David was pointing out, this report and additional research about the types of um, flavoring additives or other elements of the device which are deemed to not be safe, um, such as, you know, uh, batteries that might be more liable to explode, which we see happen, it's rare, mm-hmm. but it's happened, um, is something that FDA can definitely address in their product standards. And interestingly enough, the FDA, uh, their advisory committee, from what I understand, is voting today on a product that that Philip Morris International is bringing out. Right. Yeah. And so, um, and they're right, uh, what they're addressing today is is a extensive report that Philip Morris submitted. It's about their product called Icos, um, and basically what it is is it's a tobacco product, but like e-cigarettes. It's, it's supposed to not produce combustion or smoke. Right. It's just supposed to heat the tobacco and release aerosols, which should be less harmful. And, and the ruling today is whether or not they can market these products as reduced harm uh, or reduced risk products. And so we're all awaiting in the tobacco control community to see what they decide. So, David, what do you think it, th- this all means for consumers? And and I put that under the realm because uh, the the – the terms far less harmful than traditional cigarettes is something or a version thereof is something that has been used uh, it, really when talking about e-cigarettes. What do you think this this type of research means for the consumer in general? I think that probably the message for people that are you know uh, making decisions about their own lives, advising their friends, their families, and so on, is that uh, the, the critical question is, is compared to what? If it's e-cigarettes compared to tobacco smoking, and if, if those are the only choices, uh, the evidence certainly suggests that e-cigarettes is the more favorable way to go. However, if there's a choice of using neither of those products versus using e-cigarettes, again, the choice is clear that uh, abstaining from both of those products is, is the preferred way to go. So I think it's really, you know, they talk about sometimes the idea that if someone is a recalcitrant smoker, if they're just that, you know, that they're not going to quit, that that's just what they're going to do. Uh, if they were to entertain at least the idea, could they make a complete switch to e-cigarettes mm-hmm. as a preferred route, they would certainly stand to, uh, you know, improve uh, their, their health experience. Adam, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think... Uh... Uh, David said it well. So uh, we would advise smokers probably, and this is just uh, my personal opinion and um, not not speaking on behalf of the National Academies, but we would advise smokers to, uh, you know, select. There's effective FDA products out there. 
Right. Um, there's medications uh, and there's nicotine replacement therapies. But that being said, they're not that popular. And um, one issue is they may not appeal to the smoker. And so that, uh, that condition that uh, David was talking about, the smoker who probably would never have quit because they've tried all the other treatments and they're not finding that appealing or effective, it's possible that a significant portion of them might find e-cigarettes appealing and it could help them quit. In that case, that's a positive thing. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. Or if you can't get your phone, you can send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is Adam uh, at DanLoney21. We're talking with Adam Leventhal of the University of Southern California, David Savitz of Brown University. Again, the number 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Adam, I guess the policy end of this is is something that will be uh, watched pretty closely because I, you mentioned about the, the policy issues here in the U.S. It, from what I read, uh, the idea around e-cigarettes here in the U.S. Is, is different than what it is in other parts of the world, Europe and other locations. Yeah, I, I think so. And, and uh, it's part of it might be cultural and may go back to kind of the history of harm reduction as a, as a health promotion approach being uh, more commonly accepted in, in parts of Europe uh, uh, relative to the United States, where there's a little bit more of a, a precautionary principle that's typically uh, uh, involved. Um, but, you know, we're all looking at the same evidence base and we're looking at, um, you know, all studies. It's just that it, it could be a potential like a social cultural difference, I think, in the way they interpret the evidence and the implications. Well, and, and part of this, David, is just the understanding. And obviously a lot of people, whether it be cigarettes or e-cigarettes, have had these conversations going on, you know, back 40, 50 years. But the, the understanding of the information moving forward is probably just as important as anything. Well, I think that, again, as, as you said and as Adam referred to, we uh, on the committee, we attempted to provide a neutral objective summary of the evidence we weren't recommending policy we weren't suggesting what you know actions individuals should take but uh, other than recommending research as a, a a way to improve the the level of knowledge so i think that it of course as this information goes out and is part of a uh you know a more complex ecosystem of information and alternative tobacco products and regulatory issues and so on and uh again the 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 belief though in in undertaking these reports and i think the reason that we were asked to do this is to at least have one anchor of okay what do we know and then others will have the the challenge of using that to uh to do the right thing whatever that may be adam yeah um totally agree and I think that if you look at some of the public comments made by the commissioner of the FDA and the director of tobacco products, it seems that they are taking the, uh, the conclusions of the report to heart, and it seems that they, they want to maximize the potential benefit with their regulation and getting people off of combusted tobacco products and um, into safer products or, or quitting, and then at the same time trying to protect youth um, and, uh, and people from being exposed to products that maybe shouldn't be out there. And, and uh, David, I think you mentioned this before, but it uh, bear, bears repeating. In terms of the, the, 
the the impact of using e-cigarettes and the link to trying to slow down or stop smoking, that's still an area that, that's being investigated, correct? That's right. I mean, that's, again, the, the, the question would be, uh, as, as was noted uh, by Adam, there are FDA-approved products that have been demonstrated to be effective in smoking cessation. And if someone is a smoker uh, and looking for the menu of options, obviously, again, this is not something our report addressed directly, but, but logically you go to the ones that you know are effective. Right. Uh, however, for a lot of people, they are either not drawn to those products, they're not interested, they're not willing, or they aren't effective for them. And the potential of this being an, uh, an alternative means to quit smoking, there are uh, you know, very, it's limited at present, but there are suggestions it could be. And to really flesh that out and, and to understand how, how does it compare to other currently approved products, what kinds of people seem to benefit, and so on, those questions could be very, very important in the overall public health impact of the product. Adam, how do you think this also impacts uh, this industry, this business industry as well? Because we're seeing more and more companies that uh, that made their uh, their bottom line on traditional cigarettes for decades are, are getting into this space, and, and they have a they have an important investment at this point. Yeah, and you know, uh, I. Sh- an important thing for people to know out there is that the greater kind of regulatory policy context is that the uh, FDA uh, recently announced the, uh, an advanced uh, notice of proposed rulemaking that they're entertaining the idea of restricting the amount of nicotine allowable in cigarettes and potentially uh, reducing them to non-addictive levels. So I think that the tobacco industry is aware that if you take out the nicotine, um, you know, a lot of people will lose their taste for cigarettes, and, and so therefore transitioning to a product that might be more appealing and addictive than a future, which may or may not happen, but if it does, which in which all cigarettes, um, you know, uh, are not addictive and contain very little nicotine, I think would make business sense from, from their perspective. And whether it improves the, the public health um, remains to be seen, but there's kind of reason to to believe it would but the the other part to it david linked back to the to the medical component of this is the fact that there is obviously a a a financial side on the medical end of this in terms of the investment that the medical community has to make uh in terms of uh you know helping people when they are afflicted uh by some of these products not necessarily the e-cigarettes but but the other tobacco products that are out there in general Sure. I mean, there's obviously huge, huge costs to the the public health burden in terms of the financial and and human cost of of tobacco. And even though it is fortunately declining, it remains a profound uh, source of harm to the health of the public. And which is one of the reasons, really, that that if e-cigarettes could help put a further dent in that amount by by decreasing the uh, uh, you know the the use. Uh, tobacco, that would be beneficial. But again, as we said, conversely, if it does anything to slow down the decline or or increase use among you know young people, yeah. uh, this is uh, this isn't a minor concern. This is a major public health uh, concern, given the uh, the how how harmful uh, tobacco is. What do you? What are the next steps in the research that that, that you would like to see done, David? I mean, I think that. Probably, if again, if, if uh, our committee laid out a whole agenda of, of, of various issues, but I think that 
probably you know, towards the very top is this question of whether uh, e-cigarettes can be an appealing and effective means for people to quit smoking. I think that's probably a very high on the list. Uh, also, to understand more fully the uh, the nature of this potential transition of young people who find e-cigarettes very appealing and fortunately don't find tobacco nearly so appealing, and I hope it, it, it continues that way. Right. And then this third element, though, is just to, um, even though we, we think we know what the long-term effects should be based on understanding nicotine, there is this unknown. And I think that to, to find out what's going to happen in the long term, we need to start now uh, to begin to design studies and initiate follow-up of these populations to get a clearer answer to the question about longer-term uh, health uh, questions. Adam, how about yourself? Sure, yeah. Um, you know, uh, David, or sorry, um, yeah, he hit the, the nail on the head. But, like, I think one other uh, thing that the committee noticed that was striking and surprising was the great degree of diversity in the types of products that are out there, um, both with regards to the potential toxins and their appeal and potential addictiveness. So I think, um, you know, studying which products may be more or less effective for helping adult smokers quit, which products may be more or less uh, appealing to youth and potentially moving them along to cigarettes are huge questions that we need to address to inform FDA product standards. Great having you both with us today. Adam, thank you very much. David, appreciate your time. All the best to you both. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank, thank you. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.